we're back. Welcome to Real Lucha Podcast. Lawrence here. And I'm Miguel. And we're here to talk about AEW, as always, the Ellis Island of professional wrestling. And what a way to do it with another breakdown. This time, we're doing the breakdown for Dynamite 31721, which was St. Patrick's Day Slam. And what better way to do it than going straight into our gimmick, The Breakdown, where we tell you the results of the matches. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Breakdown of the special episode, St. Patrick's Day Slam. Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone are on commentary. First match to begin the night is Penta El Cerro Miedo versus Cody Rhodes. This match has become personal with the remarks made by the Lucha Bro the previous week. Although Penta takes out Cody's arm with an arm snap, the American Nightmare perseveres and gets the win with a roll-up. Second match is Jade Cargill versus Danny Jordan. Cargill makes easy work of the real mean girl as she lands Jaded to give the victory to that bitch. Third match is the Hardy Family Office versus Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Matt Hardy, Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson give you an action-packed 10-man tag, but the tension between Jurassic Express and Bear causes Matt Hardy's faction to capitalize off a twist of fate and win. Wonderful! Fourth match is Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus the Good Brothers. Newly reunited friends end the hard-hitting contest with an inside cradle by Mox onto the machine gun. Fifth match is Ray Phoenix versus Angelico. The Mexican gets the victory off the submission technician on a fire thunder driver. Animal. And now for the sixth match and main event of the evening, we got Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in an unsanctioned lights out match. Rebel, not Reba, gets a crutch shot on Thunder, which leads into a spear through the ropes by DMD. She follows that up with an air raid crash on the stage. Rosa turns it around with a chair throw and two chair shots. The role model gets a curb stomp on Thunder on the steel steps to bust her open. Bam! Blood everywhere! She continues the hardcore offense with a superplex on a pile of chairs. Thunder finally comes back with a Jericho Bulldog on a ladder. A running Meteora in the corner and a corner dropkick into a ladder, busting open the dentist. Bam! Blood everywhere! The doctor comes back with a super kick and a flatliner onto a ladder. This match keeps upping the ante as Rosa gets an avalanche Death Valley driver onto a ladder. A DDT onto a chair seems to get a momentum shift to Brit. Baker gets another curb stomp off, but this time onto a chair. DMD makes Mick Foley proud as she takes out the thumbtacks to try and end this. Thunder is finally able to take Rebel out of the equation as she kicks her off the apron into a table. From there, she punishes the role model for bringing out those tacks and power bombs her onto them. The dentist somehow is able to get the locked jaw and follows that up with a super kick. Both opponents find themselves on the apron and Rosa lands a fire thunder driver off the apron through a table for the one, two, three.
Thunder Rosa, la Meta Meta herself, takes it over DMD, Britt Baker, and what a hell of a match. That's just an understatement, really, when I talk about it. This match was crazy. Unsanctioned, lights out match. Not sure if I've ever actually seen one for a ladies match, or a women's wrestling match. And this one delivered so well. I am just so proud of uh, you know both these contenders, right? Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, again, just... What putting on a crazy show, not necessarily something I would envision for St. Patrick's Day Slam, you know, such a violent, hardcore match, and they delivered. And it's the first time, I believe, the women main evented a Dynamite, right? That's huge. That's, um, when we talk about stuff like that, you know, we always think about stuff like the Fed where it was such a huge deal when Lita and Trish that. Trish Stratus yeah. would, um, you know, main event, yeah, right? Like 16 years ago, and the prelude to this, yeah, that was that was a that was a a big deal because you know nowhere near was there the focus of on women's wrestling that there is now, you know, and to this day, you know, we, it's so hard to see uh, women's um, main eventing the whole event. And luckily for us, you know, that's definitely uh, taking a turn in, I don't know, in the climate of professional wrestling where it's not necessarily the gender. It's like who can put on a quality match. And these ladies did that for sure. So um, it was a really cool match. It was an awesome match. And I probably have to say this is going to be a career defining match for them. And uh, yeah, I think we should all be really excited for them and for the future of uh, stuff like this. No doubt. Yeah, Funda Rosa, once you win the NWA title, lose it, keep it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, um, cu- be, uh, become all elite, please. That'd be really cool. Uh, I'm not going to complain too much or anything like that because we are seeing her quite a bit for someone who's under contract in the NWA right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the promos because we don't talk about that when we go into the breakdowns, right? So promo number one, uh, the show starts with MJF's new faction coming out of a jet. MJF, you know, him, his guys took out the inner circle. And they look pretty damn excited about it. Promo two was uh, backstage with the Young Bucks and Alex Marvez. Don Callis interrupts Don. Don Callis interrupts. Don admits he faked his attack. And then he misses the old bucks from Japan. He asks them if they still are or are they the regular guys living off of their name. Ouch. Promo 3. In ring with new faction. Uh, Tully recaps what happened last week, right? When uh, they took out the inner circle. They are the baddest guys. Years ago, he was in the best group in professional wrestling. And he's going to finish his career with the best group. Uh, Tully Blanchard says. MJF says he's Judas. It wasn't easy falling back as far as Jericho's hairline. Just digging into, you know, our guy, Y2J. He tricked everyone thinking he wanted to take over when he really wanted to destroy it from within. MJF puts over all his guys. He tastes himself and he dubs this new faction the Pinnacle. 
Promo 4 is backstage uh, with Mox and Kingston. Mox wants to relax but needs to fix the real problem. And uh, this is a pretty funny line. He says, he doesn't like the Good Brothers, and it's not because they wasted his money on talking shopamania. Uh, Kingston says, the Good Brothers are cowards. So that, that line right there is talking about how uh, Gallus and Anderson, the Good Brothers, actually had their own pay-per-view event, wrestling event, called Talking Shopamania. It's basically the first thing they've done since being fired by WWE. Uh, and it was just, you know, kind of like an indie thing that they were able to do, uh, especially Gallows. That was like his brainchild and, you know, uh, <laughs> Anderson and Rocky, you know, the talking shop boys are the ones uh, behind that. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, in a uh, shoot wise that John Moxley is just supporting his uh, his uh, wrestling buddies there in renting that no matter how good or bad it was. <laughs> Uh, promo number five is backstage with Dasha and Christian. Uh, Christian is the workhorse in pro wrestling. Kenny is on borrowed. Kenny is on borrowed time, and Christian Cage says, uh, "In AEW, he's here in AEW to cement his legacy and to outwork everyone." Promo six is on stage with Tony Schiavone, Sting, and Darby Allen. Darby hates that he's only defended the title three times. He wants to defend more and start with a tribute to the best TNT champ, which was Brody Lee, and wants to defend against the Dark Order. What a champ. What a champ. Lance Archer interrupts, though. Says he's tired of Sting <coughs> interviews, which, you know, I think, I think you know, a good audience, you know, of uh, AW might, might have to agree, right, with the heel right there. Uh, he's ready for battle. Then Team Taz interrupts. Just the interruption upon interruption. You know, that's crazy. Cage, Brian Cage, takes the mic and says that he respects Sting. And Team Taz is furious at Brian Cage. Yeah, they look at him like he was crazy. Like he just did something like insane. I forgot what <laughs> Taz says. He's like, what are you doing? Like he, he, Taz was losing it out of everyone the most. That, I, I really like that. Promo 7 is package uh, for Scorpio Sky. His match was nothing but a chance to make Darby Allen look good. He wants to stand out and take the spotlight. Okay. Interesting. Promo 8 is a backstage. So, you know, now that means, sorry, to go back to Scorp. Yeah. Uh, he's heel. Heel Scorp. Scorpio Sky uh, is a bad guy. <laughs> Promo 8 is backstage with Miro and Alex Marvez. Miro doesn't care about the challenge that the best friends crew give him, right? And he says he's over it. Kip comes in and says he's not and that he's supposed to care. Miro says that he doesn't and he shouldn't have Penelope at his ringside. So trouble between the best man and the... The groom, right? Super bad. Uh, not good, right? Not good for those guys. So there's tension there. There's tension in Team Taz. These groups, right? Are we getting uh, Fed-like levels of uh, breaking up of uh, groups? We'll see. Promo 9 is backstage with Dark Order. Uh, they're, trying to dis they're trying to think of who's going to challenge Darby, right, for his open challenge. Uh, negative 1, right? He says he's down. Uh, but they think he's too young, which that's a good call. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. John Silver 
uh, says he will be the challenger. Every everyone is uh, pretty okay with, with the idea of John Silver being the challenger. Pretty cool. Dark Orders four. Promo ten is backstage with the Pinnacle. They take over Inner Circle's locker room. Right. Take that Inner Circle logo on the. Did they ask permission the first? Hell no. <laughs> their what? Per, their permission was <laughs> to stomp their ass. So yeah, uh, there's the promos. Um. Yeah, if we're being honest, Miguel actually doesn't have notes for this, and we're definitely filming, uh, we're definitely recording this pod um, a while after the event happened, right? After Dynamite happened? Yeah. So I'm just going to quickly go into uh, my events of the night, and we'll wrap it up right here. Sounds good. So, my spot of the night has to go to these ladies, right? Britt Baker, DMD, Thunder Rosa. There's just a, a mirage of things I can go to, but the, the three that are stand out are, you know, these big spots. The reason why we decided to do spot of the night, you know, top spot in general, which is uh, this avalanche Death Valley driver from the turnbuckle onto a ladder by uh, Thunder Rosa onto Britt. Then a power bomb by Thunder Rosa onto Brit, onto the thumbtacks. Never fun. And then a Fire Thunder driver off the apron through the table by Thunder Rosa to Britt Baker. So Britt Baker is selling like a mofo, right? Selling like crazy. So you, you give props for Thunder Rosa, of course, for going through the match. And you definitely have to give props to... Uh, Brit for making Thunder look so good and taking all this punishment, goddamn, right? Uh, let's do that thumbtack spot. I think my spot has to be the power bomb on the thumbtacks. Probably the other ones were uh, a better visual, so uh, I can't I can't argue against putting either one of those two. But just the thumbtacks landing on thumbtacks is just so it irks me, right? Like we don't see that very often, right? Yeah, well, I think it, it should irk. You know, most people. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's like little needles, like, and um, piercing your, your skin. It's painful as hell. Especially <laughs> you got, like, dozens and dozens of them. Yeah, of course. Well said. And, yeah, so that's my spot of the night. You know, we can't give enough congratulations on the two for really setting a high bar for this division. This is probably, the women's division in AEW is probably the most polarizing, I think for a big wide audience right they get a lot of, they've gotten a lot of flack in the past and this is definitely a big push forward so big ups to them so my work of the night has to go to the new faction the pinnacle having another faction some people might say too many uh, i completely disagree i love it how new japan uh, was really faction based when we started watching with um, many Stables like Bullet Club, Chaos, uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, uh, Suzuki Goon, right? These are uh, really interesting. Now, uh, Will Ospreay's new stable, what was what was it called? Kingdom? No, no, not Kingdom. That's uh, that's ROH. <laughs> uh, I'm drawing a blank as to what. Do you remember the Empire? Maybe. Yes, Empire. Empire. Strikes back. So. Uh, I just think it's really cool, right? When you have two factions, you know what's going to happen, right? Okay, these guys are going to face each other off. 
uh, probably until one of them breaks up and, and then that's it. Or one, we're used to, we're so used to the Fed, right? One faction and that faction is just going to take over and then like the best of like the superstars that aren't in the faction have to team up to take take them out, right? Something like that. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. Uh, I like all these different groups coming out and the pinnacle is probably going to be a huge one, right? MJF being pushed to the moon since he got here in AEW. So when you add FTR, who is one of the best tag teams in rest, all of wrestling, they're big tag team nerds, uh, which I appreciate that. Uh, Sean Spears, who's just a guy who, you know, Unfortunately, he this is what started his his rivalry with Cody, right? But it's true, he's a good hand, right? He's a good guy to to work against and and really uh, have like a, someone to kind of put you over a little bit, right? <laughs> More so than him getting pushed over, and uh, a big you know powerhouse in Wardlow. So uh, this is going to be a huge faction, I believe, and. Uh, this this is, pr- this is probably gonna, this is the start right so this is definitely my work of the night and then my match of the night you know how many times are we gonna have to say is there let me see if there's a good runner up uh, Phoenix Phoenix and Angelico you can't go wrong with that some uh, Lucha Underground boys right there uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, John Moxley versus the Good Brothers uh, maybe a little underrated uh, by myself personally uh, that one was. I guess I'm surprised how much Moxley and Kingston struggled. Just because Mox is always pushed to the moon, you know? Yeah. Since his arrival in AEW. Which I can't blame because a guy is always so over no matter where he is. Uh, Pentan Ceromiel versus Cody. Maybe I could have expected a little more, but a good match there. Yeah. Good, good match. Yep. Jade Cargill and Danny was a, you know, that was a stomp. Right, no, no, yeah. no need to go into that too much. <laughs> no, and uh, Matt Hardy, Private Party, Butcher and the Blade versus Jurassic Express and Bear Country. I always say that AEW is the place to go for multi-man matches, whether it be their amazing tag team division or like just these big group of guys, right? Like five v fives, four v fours. That they just know how to present that very well, right? And I think that starts in the top. That starts with. Uh, guys like our EVPs, Kenny and the Bucks, where they're so used to having six-man tags yeah. and big like four-man tags with Bullet Club, you know that they would take on the road from New Japan to like ROH to even PWG, right? And yeah, so uh, I'm I to be honest, I can't choose. I think I w- at the moment I would either choose that big five v five or uh, Phoenix and Angelico, but the match of the night is Britt Baker Thunder Rosa unsanctioned lights out match. What a match! We'll end it there. Uh, but before we do, please, can you, uh, Miguel, can you give us uh, your final thoughts on the whole night, on anything, on any particular match, anything that you wanted to talk about? Well, all right. First of all, like I love Penta. Um, whether he's a face heel, I mean, um, he's great talent. Liked him a few since a few years back, and I first saw him in Lucha Underground. I still love him a lot today in AEW. Uh, his match with Cody, um, I gotta say, he got what he deserved. Penta, for I mean, what did he? What the hell would you expect when he insulted Cody's uh, unborn kid? 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so Penta, complete and utter, an utter heel, right? Cheap he as, as much as you can get, right? Yes. Uh, definitely. And oh, Alex, sure. why would you... Why did you enjoy that so much? I'm talking about Alex Abrantes. Why did you enjoy saying that so much? Do you really love Penta that much? Like, this new <laughs> dynamic that Alex Abrantes <laughs> and Penta have is very intriguing. Like, uh, wow, right? Well, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Um, Alex Abrantes, like how he's been getting involved in a few of his matches. Um, the way Ricardo Rodriguez would get involved in Alberto Del Rio's matches. Like you know, just he's a sidekick. He's not really. He's not. He's not seen or meant to be like competitor, but he gets physically involved still. Yeah, but uh, Alex is definitely. He's definitely giving like this cadence uh, of I'm in. I'm enjoying what Penta is saying as much as Penta is. And, yeah. And Penta's an evil bastard. So what does that make me? Right. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind of thing. It's funny because, like I said, we're definitely recording this in the future. And yeah, this is the start of Alex Abrahantes uh, going to become like the mouthpiece, um, somewhat of the sidekick to Penta. And it's very interesting. And uh, yeah, show some love to Alex for Alex always sus for uh, showing some good character there. Yeah, no, I, I do like, like for me, this makes it a lot more interesting. Alex, a lot more interesting being, uh, boy, being uh, Penta's new, I guess, glorified boy now <laughs> and also that main event though like between Britt baker and uh thunder rosa it was like i mean it's one for the ages it's gonna be remembered for our AEW history i think all uh, women's you know wrestling overall that's a good point because i can oh i can definitely see just highlights of this match we're just gonna see for forever yeah not absolutely and i could see the fed doing their what trying to like what one up it and whether they succeed or fail is you know entirely 50 50 but trying to like maybe like rip it off a bit you know oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah, like, you, know sure. like, get, you know have like two i don't know like charlotte or sasha and sasha banks for example and like have them in a sheen wills match and there's a lot of blood you know which is not like. necessarily a bad thing which would be funny i think charlotte is destined to beat it because her dad loved to bleed a lot too <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that I, yeah, uh, kind of growing up, uh, definitely in the tail end of Flair's career, uh, it was so funny just to see blood like soaked in his hair. Yeah, blood just always coming out of that bleach blonde hair. It was so funny. <laughs> I think it's a good way to end it, right? Yeah. With some blood and guts. And yeah, thanks anyone for listening. Uh, give me a too sweet, good brother, and take it easy, everyone. Thank you. Peace. Lucha. Lucha.